Welcome back to the Readiness Report Live, episode number five. five right? yeah. Number five. We've made it. We made it. Yeah, I feel like if you make it down, you do five episodes. You, we've like now we're committed. What they say with the gym, right, is that you need two weeks to build a habit. I feel like we've we've built five episodes, five weeks in a row. We built a, a serious habit right now, right? So this is a habit. A habit. It's a good <laughs> habit. Whoa, Whoa it's a good habit. What's going on back Technical difficulties. So, um, the show. Let me remind everybody. This is a question and answer show, so you guys can ask your questions, type them in, and while we may not get to them immediately, we'll get to them by the end of the show, and uh, we encourage you guys to ask all your questions today. Uh, like every other show, we have the news first, but before we get to the news of the week and discussing a lot of cool stuff and then going to Cedric McMillan, our, our guest, uh, after the commercial break, we're going to talk a little bit about something that's very exciting for us, yeah, the Murph. The Murph. So. The Murph uh, will be hosted uh, this year. The official Murph will be hosted at our gym. It's pretty amazing considering the gym's not even a year old and, you know, this quintessential yeah. event is now happening at our gym. Yeah, really, really cool. You know, um, when uh, Mikey and Sam, who are going to be on in just a moment, actually uh, contacted me and said, hey, we'd love to do it at your gym. I wasn't even sure, like, that, number one, were they serious about, like, doing it? And number two, you know... Um, really how cool it was to have the opportunity to have the Murph at the gym. And, and obviously it's become a, a really big event every year they do this. I and mean, it is a huge event for them, but I didn't realize how big and how, uh, how important it is. So. Yeah. So that's the thing to see is like the number of people that have reached out to us over oh, yeah. coming to, you know, Hey, how can they get in? And that would amount of exercise. I'm, I'm going to go lay down. But. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, without further ado, I want to bring on Sam and Mikey to talk about the Murph. Give us the details. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hi, hey, how you guys? doing? Thanks for having us. Oh, of course. Of course. You guys have been like on a media blitz for the Murph uh, the last few weeks. It's been crazy. This is actually the second podcast we've done today <laughs> and the third one this week. So we're on it. We're, we're moving. Getting yes. the routine down. Yeah, well, you're 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 definitely doing it. So, um, in terms of the Murph, before we go any further, could you tell us uh, why this particular Murph, being the 15th anniversary, is special, and and also just a little background on the Murph for somebody who's watching this right now and may not be familiar with why people do it and what it is. The the Murph workout, if you're not familiar with it, it is a hero wad named after Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who was tragically lost on Operation Red Wings on. June 28th in 2005, and we lost another, it was 11 total SEALs lost that day, and it was the biggest loss of life in Naval Special Warfare history at that time, and it was just a really, really tragic day in Naval Special Warfare history, and every SEAL that was, basically anyone who was ever in the Naval Special Warfare community can remember where they were that day, and Michael used to do a workout that he named body armor and it was a one mile run, 100 pushups or sorry, 100 pull-ups, 200 pushups, 300 air squats, followed by another one mile run. And if that's not grueling enough, you have to do it wearing a 20 pound vest or body armor. And that's where the name actually came from. Murph used to call it body armor. And after Murph's passing, uh, CrossFit came up and, uh, created a hero wad that they named after him called Murph. And it was the very first hero wad ever made. And in, in a, uh, 2012, uh, the, the Michael P. Murphy Memorial Scholarship Foundation, headed up by Michael's uh, family, came to us. And they were talking about a fitness fundraiser that they had just got off the ground. And they really wanted to, to blow this up and really wanted to honor and remember Michael and all of the other fallen uh, service members that perished on that day. 
So they, they kind of had got it to as far as they could as a fledgling foundation, and they wanted to see how Forge could help them out. And since we had already done some other big campaigns and we were familiar with the apparel industry and also our connection with the SEAL teams and with Murph, that if we could help them out. And we were just honored and very excited to be part of that 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 fledgling fundraiser. And we all just put our heads together and we came up with the, the Murph Challenge. And it, it's just really, it's grown exponentially every year. And it's a, it's, it's a worldwide fitness fundraiser. And this year is the 15th anniversary of the Operation Red Wing Memorial. So it, it's a very, very special event. You want to elaborate a little more on Sam? I think you actually covered it. I mean, like, like you said, Aaron, we'll be doing the event with Redcon 1 on June 28th at the Redcon 1 gym in Boca Raton. We cannot wait. We're going to have a great group of Navy SEALs, celebrities, athletes, influencers, all there. It's going to be awesome. We're extremely excited to honor our fallen brothers. Yeah, we're and, and we're honored to have you guys want to do it and with us and, and be there at the gym. And uh, it's just going to be a, a great event. And uh, Mikey, just uh, so for you, how many of these guys, because you're a SEAL, um, how many of these guys did you uh, work with and know that, uh, that passed away 15 years ago? I had I had worked with I, I wasn't on Operation Red Wings. Right. I was actually on instructor uh, duty when when that went down. But I had worked with some of the other guys on different SEAL teams on SEAL Team 2 and SEAL Team 8. And I'd worked with some other guys during training trips. So it, it was it, and a lot of the guys were, were very experienced guys. So they were well known in the community. So every single SEAL that was active duty at that time had some connection to at least one of those guys. So it, it was a very tragic loss for us. Yeah. Especially that number. Being from a very small community, as the SEALs are, and special operations in general is a small community. So ha losing that many guys at one time was, was just very tragic. Yeah. Before, um, we just wanted to basically have you guys on to talk about the event for a moment. But you guys also, you mentioned Forged. Is your apparel company, and that's kind of what, what brought you together with the Murph originally, and, and and being able to raise money. Tell us a little bit about Forge and how that got going. Well, my last deployment to Ramadi, Iraq, uh, in two thousand and seven, one of my teammates was catastrophically injured, and when we got back stateside, a couple of us got together and we decided that we were going to make a tribute shirt and raise some money for his recovery. So I, I never really set out to start an apparel brand or even become an entrepreneur. I was just kind of the guy who was in charge of making T-shirts and hats and patches for the platoon. So a couple of us got together, made a shirt, and we raised a good amount of money for our injured teammate. And some guys around the team just kept asking me, you know, you guys should make another shirt. So I recruited a buddy of mine who was a fellow SEAL. He knew a bit about graphic design. So we started making a couple of designs, selling them out of the trunk of our car. And he just started taking off and taking off. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was around Christmas time of the year. We, I think we sold like 600 shirts out of the trunk of our car. And I'm like, wow, I actually made more money doing this than I made in the Navy. You know, maybe <laughs> we got something here. So at that point, I kind of had 13 years on active duty and I just really had to make a choice. Uh, it, you know, it's really hard to go full on entrepreneur and still be active duty in the military, especially in the SEAL teams. It's pretty much impossible. So I just said, you know what, I'll give it two years. If I can't make it work in two years, I'll come crying <laughs> back. Let me in. But, uh, you know, and as history has it, you know, it took off. It did very well. And I have no regrets. Yeah, that's awesome. 
It's very, very cool. And uh, Redcon One is is very proud to be a part of this and and be working with you guys, uh, both you and Forge. And uh, we're excited about having the the event. We're also excited about being able to donate uh, money to it. And uh, you know, we're going to donate ten thousand dollars to the foundation along with helping sell the shirts and everything else we could possibly do. I know um, the foundation uh, they're doing a lot more. You mentioned to me uh, last night we were talking about that Dan Murphy is uh, is starting an actual museum, right? That's correct. So there is a Navy SEAL Museum in honor of Murph and all the fall Navy SEALs on Operation Red Wings. And um, it's in New York. They were supposed to finalize construction early this year, but due to COVID, construction was severely delayed. Um, so Dan Murphy, he really does need the help this year to get that, that museum finalized. And that's really our goal is to raise as much money as we possibly can through the Murph Challenge, through these official host events and help him with that museum. Um, so we, the money goes to Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy Memorial Scholarship Foundation. So they donate scholarships to help, you know, put children through school. But also part of that money goes to this Navy SEAL Museum to help finalize that construction. So we're hoping after the Merch Challenge campaign concludes on July 7th, once we make that donation, we'll be able to finalize it. And it should be open, what did Dan say, in October, November? Yeah, they're shooting for the October time frame. Mm -hmm. So the, yeah, we're really excited about that. It, it's not just a museum for Operation Red Wings. It actually is a museum honoring SEALs from all genres. All genres. So it, it, it's it's amazing. It's in Sayreville, New York, out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. So it definitely set that as a destination for anyone that wants to go learn a little bit about SEAL history. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Very cool. Well, when it when it officially opens, let us know. We'd like to be part of the grand opening event. 100%, absolutely. And they're actually putting a mini grinder in there with some pull-up bars. It's also going to be a training center for the sea cadets who are out there. So we plan on doing an initial Murph challenge out there. We're going to get a good crew out there. So maybe Redcon could help us facilitate absolutely. that. That'd yeah. probably be pretty awesome. We would love to. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show and coming on. We'll be seeing you in, in a week. So yeah. before you know it, you'll be down here in Boca at the Redcon One Gym and we'll give you a tour of the office. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're we're having a party after. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be great. We be can't great. wait. Thank yeah, we, you so much again, guys. We appreciate all the help. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate you having us on. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Mikey. Take okay, care. Guys. Thank you. All right, well, that's something to look forward to. And yeah, I can't believe it's next weekend. It's funny how time flies. I know, right? it's like Father's Day this weekend. Oh, next God, weekend, you guys at Murph, so it's never a dull moment. It's never, it really is <laughs> never a dull moment. I think, uh, I feel like for us, there's so much stuff going on, like uh, with the business and then everything else, the family, ever just so many things going on. Before you know it, you almost lose track of time. And, and you know, like it, it seemed like we were just at New Year's, and now we're, it's been four years since we started. This four years since like, we started it. And yeah. usually, how I kind of know is I look back at pictures of the kids, and we'll be like, "Holy crap!" I know babies then. And but honestly, if we weren't busy, I'd be worried. Right. I, right. I'll take the craziness any day. You you are one hundred percent right there. So let's go to <laughs> Amazon. Crazy. So it's <laughs> crazy. So Amazon, and everybody knows Amazon. Everybody loves Amazon. Everybody uses Amazon, and uh, Amazon has been. Uh, obviously, very positively affected by uh, COVID nineteen, and you know, if you just take a look at the stock market for one minute and show, you know, everybody basically took this huge dip come March, and uh, and so did they to some extent. But since then, the stock has flown past previous highs and and beat everybody's expectations. They've been doing incredible amount of sales, and uh, actually, the increase of shopping is twenty two percent 
since January. So everybody's shopping online, which is no surprise to anybody because of COVID-19. It's obviously very, uh, it's not a thing that anybody would be surprised if people are buying on Amazon. Right? Yeah, and it's one of your only choices if you live in certain areas. Yeah, and for a lot of companies, like even ours, you know, having the ability to sell on Amazon during COVID-19 was a big, big plus. It, it kept us going. Oh, yeah, because all of these retail doors are closed. At least people can still take your products as people are still working out, even if it was at home. But right. they had no other outlets maybe and, to get their products. And most companies aren't like us where we have this tremendous, strong direct-to-consumer business. Right. A lot of people are relying on the, the stores, and they don't have any other options. So the interesting thing, the reason why we're even bringing up Amazon is because um, we are a customer service-based company at Redcon One. We want not only to make great products and for people to be satisfied, but we want to have a great customer experience. And so the thing that I found interesting is while the Amazon sales numbers have went up tremendously, the satisfaction numbers are down to a crazy low uh, percentage where only 64% of Amazon customers are actually satisfied with the service from Amazon. Yeah, and you got to wonder too, I mean, it could be a mixed bag, right? It could be because they're used to getting things with Prime or some days I've ordered stuff and it showed up later that day. Right. I didn't expect it. Where... Maybe people, again, because you're trapped at home, you have nowhere to go, and you're able to focus on maybe unimportant things, like yeah. how quick your package got to you. Yep. So you got to wonder what it is. Was it slower shipping times? Was it just environmental for people because they're already stressed out? It'd be interesting to see what that data is behind it. But interestingly, Walmart actually had a higher satisfaction rate. Yeah, for the first, I think for the first time ever, yeah, more people are satisfied with the Walmart experience, walmart.com experience. Yeah, and, and again, you wonder too, is that a mixture of, Oh, so that's purely Walmart.com. So yeah. it's not like pictures of Walmart. Store and, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if they include that, but Walmart.com is with. Is, so for the first time, Walmart.com beat Amazon.com in terms of satisfaction. So it's an interesting statistic. Yeah. When you, a lot of times you think of Walmart.com and not, a, you know, I don't think people think of it as in the same kind of league or category as Amazon. No. And we know now for sure, we know personally that, that Walmart is pushing their .com big time. They want to compete and they want to beat Amazon or at least take part of that business. The biggest brick and mortar versus the biggest online retailer. Yeah. Interesting. So. It's like a shark versus T-Rex. Yeah, <laughs> literally, literally, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so talking about .coms, we have bodybuilding.com who has brand new ownership. So um, bodybuilding.com was, uh, was sold in, uh, was initially sold to Expedia, which is Liberty Media. Liberty right? Media Group back in, I think, what, 2000? Nine or ten, it was yeah, yeah. It's been for, some time for like five hundred million. It was a large, yeah. It was, yeah, it was something pretty big. And uh, the business at that point in time, I've been to uh, bodybuilding.com uh, to the headquarters about a half a dozen times, and uh, it's a very tough trip because it's three planes to get there from Boca. So I don't enjoy going there. <laughs> I never like going there, although the place is very nice. The headquarters was very nice, but the business has changed so much since the first time I've been there till now. And, uh, and it was just resold again, barely any news about it, but it was resold again in May, uh, less than a year before uh, it was acquired most recently. So it's moved hands and uh, Phoenix, a Phoenix-based private equity company called the Najahafi Companies made the purchase. We don't know the number uh, that they paid for it. Yeah, it, was, it was private, right? Yeah, it was private. And, but the, the, it's interesting because uh, Bodybuilding.com was known for, the cool thing about Bodybuilding.com, right? You go there, you get your creatine, you can get your protein from another company. You get your pre-workout from another company, and that's the big benefit. Now, because of Amazon, who kind of ate their lunch, basically, you can also get your underwear and your deodorant at the same place. Yeah, and I think it would be a, a case study, right? Because you look at bodybuilding.com was the juggernaut. I mean, you had to play ball with them. 
um, back in my previous life at BSN, I mean, you had to cater to bodybuilding.com. A lot of what you did was based on what they what yeah. they did or the ratings. The ratings was a huge deal. Who was in the right. top 10 or whatever. And then when Liberty bought them, I think from my understanding was because bodybuilding.com site traffic, 70% of the people went to the site never bought. They went for the free content. Right. And Liberty owned DoubleClick. So they're able to monetize on ads on the right. site and things like that. And then obviously the company must not have changed with the times. Maybe they thought Amazon, <laughs> hey, isn't going to be as big of a deal as we thought for supplements. But the bundling with Expedia is an interesting thing, right? Because for years, Amazon has wanted a travel company. That's yeah. one of the things that's not in their portfolio. So you got to wonder, did Liberty bundle bodybuilding.com with Expedia hoping like, hey, maybe Amazon's going to buy this entity from us. We can get rid of this property as well. Very possible. And then obviously when you're doing the same thing, it's like, what do you need bodybuilding.com for? Hate to say it, but yeah. And I wonder if like their monetizing of content has hurt them over time. Yeah. Well, I can't, it can't be beneficial. If you love a place, you visit a site because of their content and all of a sudden they change the, 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 like flip the script and all of a sudden that free stuff that you love going there for now costs $19.99 a month or whatever, or $9.99 a month. You're like, what? Well, that's not what I'm in it for, you know. Yeah, I never had to pay for Johnny's uh, OnlyFans pay for it, but now I do. Johnny, yeah, he's and he's what is he like? He's like four ninety nine or something. A month? It's cheap. Yeah, he's on the cheaper side. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I don't, it's I don't got know. bills to pay. Yeah. So, um, uh, before we get to Cedric Millen, our guest of the of the show here, one thing that uh, it's funny because we just had Mikey on, who is a uh, uh, Navy SEAL combat veteran, Navy SEAL. Uh, I recently this weekend or this week, I talked to. Uh, uh, a foundation about their work and uh, their work with uh, Harvard and several other big universities to study psychedelic drugs for PTSD, for depression, for uh, drug addiction. And uh, we were, I was very impressed um, at how the world was moving. So, you know, when I was a kid, well, not when I was, I mean, up until relatively recently, you, marijuana was a schedule one drug. Yeah. You have marijuana and you go and cop pulls you over, you're going to prison. Um, especially if it's any kind of quantity, you're, you're in serious trouble. And now uh, marijuana is, you know, totally acceptable where, you know, you can get a, uh, either get a card for it or most places can be, rec. yeah, recreationally. So uh, it's, it's changed so dramatically. If you had told me that when I was a teenager, I would never, ever have believed that that would ever have a time machine. No, that's what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would, I would have 100% said only in Amsterdam. Right? Yeah, that's exactly. That was the thing everyone. People yeah. would take. You're watching Pulp Fiction tonight. That's, that's, hey, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like that's that is uh, 100%. That is what uh, people thought. And so I never would have thought. And talking to him today, uh, this week, talking about psychedelics used for these things, especially specifically for for uh, soldiers, combat veterans, and the progress that they're making. I'm uh, willing to make a prediction right now that MDMA and mushrooms and some of the other stuff like ayahuasca, DMT, these are things that I believe will be therapeutically used. Um, I don't know if it'll be if it'll be legal for recreational purposes, but who the hell knows? Well, like anything, there's enough tax base in it and enough profit. I mean, that's what happened with marijuana, right? States said, yep. "Oh shit!" Like, there's a lot of there's tax a lot of money. Because, yep. like, if you buy, um, not that I have, or maybe I have, but, <laughs> um, you know, you buy marijuana from a dispensary in uh, Nevada. I think if you're a medical card holder, the tax is around fifteen percent. But if you're rec, it's another seven or eight percent on top of it. Yeah. So you're paying for it. But it's interesting that this could be the next frontier of medicine because look at LSD. LSD was originally to treat um, psychotic yeah, behavior right? and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously it didn't work and then what well, did work, but it probably in the wrong way Yeah, and became, you know, a legal drug. But then uh, GHB, there's a prescription version of GHB now for yeah. narcolepsy. So yeah. 
you know, obviously these drugs exist and they have effects. So it's just a matter of probably getting the dosing right. I mean, uh, MDMA, obviously that has to do with serotonin. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Seroquel, things that are SSRIs are about serotonin uptake. Yeah. So it, it does make sense. And again, specifically for some of these traumatic brain injuries, I see where it could be beneficial. I'm sure it'd be a huge moral debate about this one, but well, the one thing about like MDMA and, and stuff like that, specifically MDMA is people take that as like the, the love drug or every, you love everybody. You don't go out and do violent things or do crazy stuff. Or I mean, alcohol certainly could be considered much, much, much more dangerous because I've certainly done stuff I regret on alcohol. Oh, I've done uh, way more dumb yeah, stuff yeah, on alcohol. Yeah, you're not. MDMA. And MDMA <laughs> is not something where you you go out and do crazy stuff. It's just not. That's not part of what what it does to you. And if anything, you you might tell people you love them, but you don't really mean you love them. But that's the that's probably the, the most dangerous thing. So who who knows? It's interesting where where the world is going to in a whole lot of different ways. Some good, some not so good. Uh, but let's go to the commercial break. When we come back, we'll be with our guest of the week, Cedric McMillan, and talk about all kinds of stuff, what's going on in the world, good and bad, and what's going on in the world of Cedric McMillan. So we'll go to commercial break. We're going to talk about the Father's Day weekend deal that you're going to be very excited about. So I noticed some people admiring your hoodie yeah. and admiring my T-shirt. They're show saying, them later. yeah, they're, you're going to show them what? The back. Oh, the back. Good. Oh, I, I got back. a page for that, too. Show the back. Yeah. $4.99? <laughs> I'm 1590. Oh, shit. Oh, it's man. Silky premium. Woo. Um, but uh, let's go to the commercial break, and we'll be back in three minutes. Celebrate Father's Day. We're giving away free gifts for all dads. That's right. To show your appreciation with a free gift from Redcon One. For this weekend only, spend $50 or more on our website to receive our award-winning pump formula, Big Noise, absolutely free. Want to really show your appreciation? Well, spend $100 or more and receive this exclusive custom hoodie for your dad. We'll even add a custom t-shirt to match the ultimate Father's Day present or keep it for yourself. As an added bonus, use the code DAD to receive an additional 33% off your entire order at checkout. We're celebrating all weekend long, so visit redcon1.com to shop and save while supplies last. First and foremost, I want to thank uh, Lieutenant Michael Murphy for the millions of people that he continues to inspire today. And the only thing that we wish is that you were here sweating with us today. Thanks for your sacrifice, brother. My name is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saraceno. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the Tier Operator Program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a Tier Operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like, we all know each other, like we're neighbors. 
We're not just out here trying to make sales. We're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. Cedric McMillan, and I am Red Con One. Damn, you saw that dude was jacked, huh? <laughs> Jeez. Whew. Well, without further ado, let's get that uh, the huge dude that was in the commercial just a moment ago onto the show. Oh, is he watching a video or something on here? Cedric, Cedric. Oh, shit. <laughs> I see you're on Johnny's page. <laughs> nah, I was all, because basically what I was doing is um, posting um, stuff on Instagram about the readiness report. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, cool. Hey, think cool. about my bank account. Is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, could you, did you hear anything? No, no, we didn't hear anything. So. Okay, cool. Just no some Christmas music playing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's up, y'all? So, Cedric, welcome to the show. You are our very first Redcon One athlete to be on the show. So oh, really? You're yeah. number one. I did, number- yeah, okay, cool, man. You know, I don't like to be sloppy second, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't. I know you don't. I figured I figured uh, we, we had to have you first um, for a bunch of reasons, uh, but uh, before we get into anything else, you know, we got Father's Day weekend. You just saw the deal coming up. How is it? How is it to have? Because you got even more kids than me. Yeah, you got four, right? Yeah, four kids. So, how is it having all them home during all this craziness? Uh, and, and are you looking forward to Father's Day? 
Okay, so uh, am I looking forward to Father's Day? Father's Day is kind of like my birthday at home. It's it's like uh, just another day. And I never really, you know, get on the kids like, hey, my birthday's coming up. Hey, Father's Day is coming up. I just let it chill, you know? And um, because if I was to put emphasis on it, then they would celebrate it simply because I'm telling them to, right? And um, I would much rather wait until they're mature enough to decide on their own that they want to try to do something special for me versus it being something prompted by me or their mom or something like that, you know? So, um, like, I can remember uh, my birthday, I took them uh, to one of those inside trampoline parks. And, you know, it was a, a nice day for them, but for me, it was a good, I, I guess, birthday present just to see them having fun, you know? So... Yeah, I don't really uh, put a bunch of pressure on them to try to put something together for me or do anything special with me and just let it be an ordinary day. You know, because honestly, for me, um, growing up um, with just my mom with no dad around, uh, to be able to be what I would consider a good parent is like a a gift in itself for me. So, yeah, I don't need anything else more than that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the epitome of being a good dad, right? Yeah, yeah. Not about you anymore. It's about yeah. the kids in a good okay. way. But I can't tell you, having them home with this virus stuff, uh, like, <laughs> so with my youth program, a lot of times I have to go to the school when one of the kids in my youth program get in trouble. And a lot of times I go there instead of the parent or the parent will have been there and they call me to come up. And the parents always say, yeah, I just think that teacher is – the teacher don't like my kid or, you know, something like that. And I believe now all of the parents see uh, that their kid is bad as hell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because they're stuck with them all, all day trying to entertain them. Um, and I pretty much, I, I'll be honest with you, we, the, the teachers were sending home learning packets, um, which the kids have to do their school work, you know, little worksheets and do stuff on the computer. And you have to keep up with it, turn it in every two, three weeks. And um, we uh, kept up with it for the most part. But I, the kids been on summer break since fucking April. I'm just going to be honest with you. They, you know, I, I, and I think I put this on Facebook. You know what? I'm pretty much satisfied with what my kids learned the first half of the school year. They good. You know what I'm saying? They don't really need to learn nothing else, you know? So it's all good. <laughs> Especially when it's my responsibility to go through this stuff, man. Because, like, I had to Google a lot of the stuff that was their homework to learn it for myself to be able to help them with it. And I was like, man, fuck this. You know, it's it's a lot. <laughs> How old your oldest, Cedric? Uh, he's 13. So, so he's learning. He's learning like algebra and shit now, yeah, right? In it. And then he got honors math and honors. Uh, uh, it used to be called English for us, but it's called ELA now, which is English and language art. So it's like English and reading and all kind of other stuff. And I told him, I said, "Look, man, um, when I was your age in school, I had already started goofing off. So I made a, I made a five in algebra class when I was his age, a, a five. <laughs> because I, you know, I, I had got to that stage where I was trying to fit in and trying to be cool, and was like, you know, doing your work and being smart ain't cool, you know. So, uh, I, hey, look, and one way I'm able to kind of um, 
motivate him a little to do his work is I, I ask him to teach me some of the stuff that he learned that day. And, uh, you know, so he sometimes tries to show me little things that he learned and that kind of motivates him. But he he's at that stage where he don't like doing his work. And I just try to keep him motivated so he doesn't make the mistake that I made. Uh, but, yeah, he it, algebra. Now, the science, I'm on him. I, I can kill him on the science. I can kill him on the geography and stuff like that. Um, writing stories. I can I can kill him on that. But that the algebra, man. Yeah, he, he the man with that. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Hey, mom, come here. The, the military right now. You're you're uh, you're still active. There's your mom. Yeah, you see that. Yes. Wave, mom. Say hey. Right hey. here. Hey. Right All right, now go back in the house. You're gonna get me fired now. Because they say can't nobody be in the background when I'm making a video. Okay, I'll be in there in a little bit. I ain't making nobody look like no cat. <laughs> All right, I'll be in there a little bit, Mama. Now go on back in the house. Now quit being fast. <laughs> All right, get on back in that house. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, she's going now. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What was you saying about the? I, I knew it. I knew it was gonna happen. It's probably gonna happen three more times, man. So. <laughs> All right. What was you saying about the army? The military. I was just saying work. You're kind of like your work life balance right now. Your family balance. Listen, uh, man. So all of the years while I was on active duty and working at the academy, um, it was it wasn't a set schedule, but I knew my schedule was going to either be A or B. Right. It's either going to be this or that. So I had my days designed around that and it was easy. Plus, back then, my mom wasn't sick, right? So, and so when I came in to work, I knew I would I would be teaching uh, classes for fifty minutes, and then I would have ten or fifteen minutes to take a break, eat my meal, go back to teaching. You know, I knew what time we would start up. I knew what time we would finish. I knew on the way home I could go to the gym, uh, but now um, my a, a small group of my unit got activated. To um support the state, how would you mess with the light for? Okay, so um a small group of my unit got activated to support the state with um some COVID nineteen testing sites. So um that this is what we're doing now, and so like sometimes we have to be ready to drive off at six a.m. in order to travel where we have to go to get set up. So, so that's waking up at 4 a.m. alone. And the only way I've been able to find time to get to the gym is before work. Well, you know, when we stand back at our base, you know, be to work at 8 o'clock, it's easy. But to get to the gym and then get ready for work and be there and ready to go at 6 o'clock is virtually impossible. And uh, so I'll be honest, man, since the gym was shut down, uh, you know, I, I've always been the type where, you know, when you can't make it, you just can't make it. There's really nothing to stress about, nothing to bitch about because you can't change the situation. So just try to find peace in the situation. And uh, that's that's where I was. And, uh, you know, look, there's there's gyms around here in my town where I've spent a lot of money putting equipment in. You know, I never wanted a home gym. 
So I could go to the gym and if you know I wanted a different kind of leg press or a shoulder machine or something, you know, I would buy one and uh, they would put it in the gym. So here I am. I got enough equipment for a whole gym is in these gyms around here, but they're all closed and I can't get in one, you know, and that was really fucking me up mentally. And uh, I finally just had to say, you know what? Fuck it, man. And just I just completely submerged myself into the mission. Uh, try to find a bit of joy in taking care of my soldiers. And um, and then my mom got to a point where uh, one evening, well, it was one night, I think one o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from the police that said they picked her up down the road. And uh, so I rushed down here and I realized, oh man, the walking off stage is, is, is the bad part. You know, we got to have 24 hour supervision now, you know? So um, ever since then, I come by when I get off work, spend the night, get up early in the morning, go to work, and then I have a sitter uh, that I pay to come over and sit with her during the day. Um, my kid's mom, she comes to help out sometimes. One of my aunts uh, help out a few hours in the day sometimes. But it can be real difficult, man, because on the bad nights, I'll be awake all night, like trying to keep everything calm, keep everything settled. No, have a seat, get some sleep, blah, 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 you know, and uh, then having to go to work, too. So I, since the gyms have been open, I've probably been to the gym four times, four, maybe five times. And uh, and it has really, like I said, I just try to find peace within the situation that I'm in um, and then hope that eventually things will kind of start to smooth out a little bit. Um, and, and that's where I am. Uh, there's been times like this before where when, you know, but I was at the academy and we would be in the field for, you know, a few days and I wouldn't be able to go to the gym, no big deal. But then after three days, I'm back. You know, I go back to the gym and everything is back on schedule. But now this is a prolonged period. Um, the good thing is I look like normal. I look like I'm still working out every day, which people will say genetics, but I think my body is kind of adjusted to the, you know, the different schedules that I have and what I have to go through. And uh, I just got, try to do the best that I can. Um, really looking forward to getting ready. For, well, I would probably say I'm getting ready for the Olympia now, huh? even though I'm going to the gym very seldomly. Every day I'm thinking about the meals that I eat and what that's for. And when I go to the gym, I do full body workouts um, and thinking that, uh, with working out seldomly, there's enough time for recovery for multiple body parts, you know? Um, and so that's a way for me to try to compensate when I can. Um, hopefully uh, the mission will smooth out to where I can carve out some hours in the gym. Uh, I feel real bad about uh, my soldiers being at work and then I leave and, and say, go to the gym and then come back while you know, they've been working. So I, I want to be there with them whenever they're working. I, I want to be there with them. Um, but I think what I'm going to try to do this week is start going to the gym at lunch. Um, the bad part about that is on the days that we have missions, uh, we'll be out, you know, at a site working and lunch will be there. You know, it won't it won't be like I can run away and go to the gym only when we're back at the base. So it's really it's really difficult now. And I feel everyone's pain that goes through that. And I get messages so much about how do you manage? How do you manage? 
And it really is difficult. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for having to come take care of my mom, I always can just go to the gym when I get off work. That's what I always did. Um, but now I have to get off work, run home, change clothes, get food, and then get over here as quick as I can to relieve the person that's uh, watching my mom. And so uh, that time in the evening that I had, even if it would be 10 o'clock at night, 11 or 1 o'clock at night, I could still go, whereas now I have to be here. Um, so it's it's a, it's a process, man. And this is real new to me because I've been doing this with her since uh, the beginning of April. Um, around about the same time I, 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 um, my, my team got activated. So I'm really trying to get through it. And, uh, you know, as you can see, we make jokes and I can kind of laugh it off with her. Um, but I think a lot of that is trying to not think about the inevitable. You know, people will look and say, you're a soldier in the army. Uh, and, and how can you be a bodybuilder with all of this time being taken away, whereas my competitors, the time that I spend working or the time that I spend sitting with my mom, my competitors are eating and resting and going to the gym and I'm not. Um, and of course, I live with the reality of knowing that that probably shows on stage. I'm 100 percent sure it shows on stage. Um, but I, I feel like I have to remain dedicated to my responsibilities. You know, my mom, I'm her only son. And if it wasn't me, then who would it be, you know? And she would be sitting up in a home somewhere. And, uh, you know, the, the same goes for me, you know, with my job in the Army. There's a lot of soldiers in my unit that since I moved there um, would have been gotten out by now if it wasn't for what they say is my mentorship, you know? And uh, being in a place where you can change lives and make differences in people's careers and futures that really, really means something to me. And while I would love to win a particular trophy and, you know, a certain amount of money, um, that I have to think about legacy. And it is not necessarily what you gain in your life that is your legacy. Because what do we do? We, you know, sometimes people get trophies dedicated to them. Or what is your legacy? Oh, I made this much money. I, I, I accomplished these things in life. And I believe, I believe that our legacy is the lasting impression and the impact that we may have on other people's lives, um, a way that you can affect somebody's life so where they can tell the story of how you affected them in a positive way long after you, right? To where here I am, dead and gone, and some old man that's 60 years old telling a young guy a lesson that I told him when he was young, you know? And so this way your legacy lives forever because the action that you, that you put forward, it continues to affect people in a positive way. And you know, yeah, your legacy in bodybuilding can last forever, you know, for, for a select few because the pictures are there the trophies and stuff are there. Um, and, you know, some people's legacies have affected me. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I couldn't allow myself to deny the responsibilities that I have here and what I consider to be the opportunities to affect people in a positive way here simply um, to for the chance of possibly affecting people positively 
in bodybuilding, you know? Um, and so I'm just trying my fucking damnness to do both, man. I, I swear, you know, there's been so many times where I say, uh, if I could just make this happen and that, you know? And in understanding, there's only 100%, right? And you can't give 100% to two things. It's not possible. It's only 100. So you're giving 50-50 or 60-40 or what? But I'm fucking trying, you know? And uh, I, I really do feel in my heart that this is the place for me. And this is the way that I'm supposed to do it. And, it, and there's some other people stuck in my situation and maybe not have the opportunities to, to compete on the stages I compete on. But their motivation for trying is me. And uh, this is one of the things that drives me to keep trying, you know. So, no, yeah, I think, yeah, Cedric, like last week, one of the things we talked about is the rabbi that comes to the office, you know, talk about everything happens in life for a reason, whether you know it or not. And I think you, you're kind of hitting on that for yourself right now is that maybe you don't know why this is right now, but the positive of it is. Maybe your body needed a break. Maybe your mind needed a break from bodybuilding. And now you're getting to spend time with your mom, your kids, you know, the people that you you mentor, at, you know, with the military. So, you know, it's one of those things is I think you're finding the positive in it where a lot of people might look at the flip side of like, oh, what I'm not doing. But I think yeah. that's like what I am able to accomplish. So with that, like we know one of the things that's really important to you is your uh, Lancaster youth program. Yeah. So how has that been? Obviously, because now, like you say, you've got a hundred percent right. So, so much has to go to your mom, your kid, yeah. your job. How's the program doing right now? Or how has that been during this? Yeah, situation? it's not doing it all. Um, the last time we met was in March. Um, I think right before I went to the Arnold, and then right after I came back from the Arnold. Um, and then everything had to shut down because of the restriction. So we haven't done anything. Um, there has been a few times where I had to make what I call house calls when, you know, this teenage boy is showing his ass with his mom and she calls me to come straighten him out, you know, and I have to go over there and, you know, jack somebody up or something. Um, <laughs> so you mind telling people a little bit more about the program that maybe don't know? I mean, obviously, we're yeah. familiar with what. So basically, with, if I was to describe it as briefly as possible. I told you guys earlier, I grew up without a dad, right? And there's a lot of things that I feel I missed in my development um, growing up by not having that. Um, and I, my mom was working two jobs most times. And so the quality time that you guys are able to spend with your kids, there's a lot of kids out there that don't get that at all. And they just have to stay in the house and watch TV until their mom come home and they can come outside, which was my situation, or they're out running around in the street getting the wrong type of mentorship. And uh, what I wanted to do with this program is to create something where these kids could get the positive type of mentorship that I wish I would have had. Um, the way this came about, my son wanted to play basketball, and um, I took him to the rec center. I rented out some space in the rec center to help him practice, and there was kids there that go there for after-school program, and they were just running around just doing whatever. And uh, they seen how I was practicing with my son, and they asked if they could play. And I said, yeah, come on. And uh, here I am with 
these little boys and, you know, teach, giving them some structure and giving them some rules to follow and letting them get the reps in. And they just enjoyed it so much. And I did, too. And uh, uh, the, when it was time to go, the kids say, can we come? You're going to be here tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow. And, oh, can we come back and, and, and train with you? And so it was a few moms there. So I got the numbers. Said, Look, I'll let you guys know whenever I'm coming. You know, we can, you know, I can work work with the kids a little bit. And, you know, it was probably a week later and there was 30 kids there for me. Um, and one of those particular days, one of the kids, he was the same age as my son at the time. And uh, they were dribbling up and down the court and his shoes was loose. And I said, hey, man, tie your shoe. And he was down there messing with his shoe for about five minutes. And I thought he was just trying to be lazy. And uh, I watched him and realized he didn't know how to tie his shoe. Man, you're, you're 10 years old and you can't tie your shoe? So I helped him tie his shoe. And then I realized these kids need more than basketball. They need mentorship. And that's when the, old, the whole idea just flooded into my brain. Like, how can I create something? Because at the moment, it was just meet up, help my son do, do basketball, you know? But it turned into something else at that point, you know? And all I did was just follow the whisper, follow the whisper that I heard of, do this, do this, do that now. Try to build them something, get some uniforms for them, you know, things like that, okay? So what I realized is, for example, basketball, in doing training for basketball, certain parts of a person's character comes out when they train or practice a particular activity. For basketball, certain parts of your character may come out, certain parts of my character may come out. When we're boxing, different parts of people's character comes out. And what I do is I use the activities, training them on the basic level, and using the activities to bring out parts of these kids' character, and then training those parts of their character. So, for example, uh, a kid may be very tough uh, when it comes to wrestling and boxing, and he really enjoys it, but then he gets frustrated when he's doing math homework, or he gets frustrated trying to learn how to play chess. Um, and likewise, some kid may be very, very smart, and he excels in the academic side. He can play chess really good, but he sucks at wrestling and boxing. You know, uh, or a kid may have problem with um, having patience or he may have a bad attitude and we can use different activities to to bring out the parts of their character and then develop those parts that need the most. Uh, and, and that's what it's all about. And uh, but there's been times where, I, listen, I've had kids call me dad, man, seriously, because they just have nobody. Um, there's been times where I've had um, girls to get um, messed with sexually. Who's the first person that gets the phone call? Me. You know, I've had kids that, you know, end up being out all night or trying drugs and stuff like that. Who is the first person that gets the call? Me. You know, it's really impacting lives. Um, and the only so my new motivation in bodybuilding was, OK, I got to make this something permanent that nobody can take from me, because right now we just borrow some space in um, this in a city building. And uh, at any time a different mayor or city administrator could come through and say, okay, you guys are going to have to leave. So my new goal in bodybuilding is to make enough money to be able to buy some land, 
to be able to put uh, a building, you know, it doesn't have to be nothing big, you know, a big steel building, you know, big enough to have like a basketball court or something inside uh, so that this can never be taken away from these kids. And uh, just pray that I would at some point maybe be able to make enough money to do it. Uh, the hard part is um, most of the money that goes into the program is the money that I make through bodybuilding. Um, I thought that after the first six months or the first year, the city would be able to see what I'm doing and they see how, you know, this is something that's going to stick around and ain't going nowhere. It's changing so many lives positively uh, and that they would step in and support it and assist me with doing it. But there's been nothing. And I mean, like I said, if it wasn't for the police chief allowing us to use this, his training area, basically in the city building, we would still be out in the grass. Um, and uh, I just hope one day to be able to make that into something permanent for them. Um, I had a dream once that uh, I was mopping floors in this big ass school that I had built for the program. And uh, I was mopping and sweeping the floors and there was a statue and pictures of me in a trophy case, the younger version of me. And uh, the kids that were there now, they didn't know that this old ass broke down man that was mopping the floor was the same coach Cedric that started the program. And uh, I woke up, you know, in tears because that was so touching and it seemed so realistic. However, so far out of reach, you know? Um, so I, listen, and I think I've told the story before, this shit is so serious to me that um, I, I, I started a life insurance policy for a million dollars. And um, with the life insurance policy, um, it's one of my best friends. They would take the money if, if something happened to me. They would take the money and at least try to begin to build what my vision is. And uh, if I would be able to do that um, with the with the loss of my life, it would be worth it. Um, I think about all the people like my kids that would miss me, that would be left behind. However, I think about all of the kids that something like that would be able to touch. And I made up my mind that if that is the only way for it to happen, then so be it, right? Um, <laughs> and it was the Olympia last year. Um, I got very, very frustrated with myself, my performance, how I show up on stage, uh, my placement on stage. And uh, I felt like, you know what? Who am I kidding here? I quit. Fuck this. I don't even want to go home being a loser again. Um, to the point where I had made up in my mind, I do not want to go home. I don't want to go home. Period. As if I was ready. I want. I was ready to die than to go home again as a loser, right? Because my whole purpose for bodybuilding now is to be able to do this for the kids. And uh, I made a few phone calls about 
how can I get this arranged, right? Um, how can I get the accident arranged, or whatever? And um, I talked to one of my friends, and he said, "Man, you know, if this happens in a fucked up way, <laughs> you won't even be able to get the life insurance money." He said, and I said, "Are you?" Sure? He said, "Yes." He said, and if you fucking take your own life, you're not getting the life insurance money. So just chill out, man. Uh, because. Well, Cedric, I got, I got bad news for you, man. Now that you put this all on video, you definitely can't do that now. Listen, nope. I mean, it's more, it's more fights to be fought, right? And when he said that, of course it clicked in me like, damn, I can't even fucking do that. <laughs> you know, so I got to hang in there, right? I got to hang in there and keep trying, you know. So, um, uh, here I am, man, and I'm still fucking trying to hang in there and make this shit work, you know? And I also know that there's a lot of people, because listen, this is one reason why I don't talk about bodybuilding with my kids or with my youth program, because I felt so low after the Olympia, but when I came home Sunday and I went to uh, train with the kids, it was just another day for them, and they were so happy to see me, and they didn't even know that the Olympia was this weekend. <laughs> so, they don't give a shit, you know, they just want, want me. Right. So I, I, I owe them me for as long as I can be there for them. So, so Cedric, you know, me and you have talked about, um, social media quite a bit and uh, I pushed you to do more and you were doing better, not so much lately, but you were doing, you were doing better and you were making progress. And so I, I'm bringing it back to that because, um, the the way to help these kids is through building and continuing fostering your your incredible following you have because these are the people who are hearing this story right now and, and feeling the emotion and they're going to be the ones that want to help those kids and help kids in general i mean look there's a lot of people out there that want to do social good that want i mean we're seeing stuff like that now i mean for for redcon one one of the biggest things that we are about is doing good things for people. I mean, obviously we make great supplements, right? You know, yeah, of course, people for good prices, but ultimately I want, we want to do good things. And, and it's not just me and Eric, it's millions of people out there that want to support good causes. And when you hear you talking about this, the motion and how important it is to you and how important these kids are to you, that's a, that is a, a method and a way to get your message out to build support and to get money for these kids. You told me, and I, I hope you don't mind me saying, in our negotiation, Eric was there for your contract. You broke it down. You said, hey, so these are the things I need to do. I need to support my mother, support my children, and then I also need, very important, to have enough money to keep the charity or the, the, the Lancaster Youth Program going. And you, you literally laid it out, and you didn't, say, like, you didn't say, hey, man, I need to get a new car. I have to... You know, I want a bigger place. I need to get like, you know, whatever. You said, these are the important things to me. And this is what's required to do that. If you can help me do that, then let's make it happen. Yeah. And it was very persuasive because we believed you. You know, we, we could tell from hearing you, you weren't using it to buy, you know, whatever, a new fancy car or something. You were yeah. literally doing it, to using the money people. to help other people. And so it was yeah. very easy to, to decide, well, shit, this guy's not using this money to, you know, whatever, buy some, whatever, you know, he's, he's actually using it and he's saying, Hey, these are the things I need to do. This is the amount I need. What can we do? And, yeah. and it was always like, Hey, you guys aren't going to like me. I'm not your typical bodybuilder, but that's, that's why we like you. Is yeah. you're not, 
which again, people can hate me for this comment, but bodybuilding by nature is a selfish beauty pageant or sport, whatever you want to call it. Everybody, most people would admit, would admit yeah, that. I mean, I mean and most of the people you meet, it's very much, what can you do for me? Where the conversation with you was, how can you help me do things for other people through this? Yeah. 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 Now, I would still like to see Cedric do more social media. <laughs> okay. So look, to my defense, <laughs> you know, every time I try to, in my uniform, Anytime I try to do anything in my uniform, some, some guys either in the military currently or ex-military fucking rag my ass about something, you know. So here I am drinking, uh, drinking my shake and, you know, eating my meal. And I want to, you know, be nice to make a little picture right here. With I got my protein here and I got my meal right here and I got my little bag with my Redcon badges on it. And then. When I post, oh, you can't be advertising stuff while you're in uniform. You know, people going to fucking tear my ass up, you know? So, uh, and then if you think about me being at a, a site working and uh, supposed to be supervising my guys and then I'm walking around making selfie videos. Look, I did it today and uh, guys tore my ass up. No walking and talking on your cell phone while you're in uniform. You know, it fucking fuck me up, you know? So You know, you can't worry about, we've talked about this too. You can't worry about what people say. Yeah. They're all they, they all want they, all those guys want redcon contracts and they all be walking and talking with their phone. Yeah, yeah. What I don't want is because you know there's been a couple of times where one of my lieutenants, he's cool as hell though, but um, you know whatever we're doing, I think I was painting the logo on the floor in our um in our we call it a drill hall, um, and I posted it. And as soon as I posted it. He said, uh, did you get permission to do that? <laughs> you know, so, so then I realized, okay, my chain of command is also watching. So, you know, I don't want anything that's going to be, you know, uh, threading the needle, you know, or like on the edge of violating the regulation. You know, I, I can't do tags on what's my location. I can't talk about what we're doing when we're out of sight or where we are, shit like that, you know? And uh, so I just, okay, I'll shut the fuck up, focus on the mission. And man, if I can get back to the gym regularly, I can make some videos and stuff. And, you know, that is, do I have an excuse? Yes. Is it, <laughs> is it, is it good enough? Not for Aaron. No. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Rudy said, Rudy said he understand. Uh, man, you know, I'll have a talk with Rudy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, I, I, I'm, I'm I am trying, and I hear your voice in my head every fucking day. I really do. And uh, I appreciate you for being patient with me, man, and uh, I'll keep working on it. And I, I, there there really is a lot on my fucking shoulders, man. It really is. And I'm pretty sure everybody has their challenges, you know, but there's some days where I feel like, how the fuck am I going to make it through this, you know? Um, I used to teach a class at the academy about resilience. Uh, I used to teach a class about suicide prevention and in understanding that for anyone, all it takes is a couple of bad days, a couple of bad significant events to get anyone to generate enough, what I call negative energy, but what it really is, is um, the hormones in your brain that are released to create the emotions that we feel. All it takes is an uh, um, uh, imbalance in those emotions to make you start thinking in a way that we may say is irrational, but in a way that is not normal. How we're normal, normally able to rationalize 
all it takes is an imbalance of the of the emotion hormones to make you think in an irrational way. And when you do um, feelings of hopelessness, helplessness, those begin to set in to where you feel like there's no way out. There's no positive outcome and things that normally wouldn't be an option for you. These things now become an option. Right. And uh, I, I really um, when when Luke uh, passed away. I really felt that, right? Uh, not because me and him are so close, but because I think about the place that someone has to be in mentally in order for that to be uh, an option for them. And uh, I talked to to Donna about this, but we, as the people left behind, we want these people to be back here with us for our own selfish reasons, because we miss them, we love them, and we want them here in experiencing life with us. But you have to imagine how someone may feel inside to not want to exist. So while you're happy with them here with us, imagine if their existence to them is complete hell and torture daily. And would you really want someone to feel like their everyday life is torture simply so you can be happy with their existence, right? And and so I have to, like I said, I have to imagine what does that feel like? How do you feel to see that as an option? And what we have to do is um, try to, at least within ourselves, when you begin to feel overwhelmed by life in general, we have to find a way to intervene our own thoughts and think about the thing left back here that wouldn't be the same without us. Reasons why our life has value. We have to try to focus on those things. I've been there myself. Um, and I'll be honest with you, in all of the suicide prevention classes that I taught and all of the lists of the signs that we're supposed to go through uh, and, and remember these signs. And if you see somebody showing these signs, this is how you intervene, blah, blah, blah. And I've never seen nobody that actually committed uh, suicide show any of those signs. When somebody really wants to do it, they keep that shit on the low so they can be successful at it, right? Uh, whereas somebody that maybe uh, attempts suicide or, you know, maybe they want, they actually are giving out cries for help with the issue, they are likely to show those signs that we're all so familiar with people showing. Uh, so. It, it, it's real easy to say, hey, look out for your friends, make sure they're okay. But a lot of times when someone dies in this way, everyone that is the closest to them have no fucking clue. And, and so I see it then as being up to us to have enough self-awareness and know enough about ourselves to where we feel like we are getting into that that mood or that zone or that area to where we see something like that as being an option, we have to check ourselves and, and once again, understand that our life does have worth and it does have value. You know, listen, man, there are some pretty fucked up people in the world that do some pretty fucked up shit, right? And if they still get to walk around here and do stupid shit, then God, please, let the good people stop seeing this as a way to fucking leave here, you know, because otherwise we're going to be outnumbered by all the fucking horrible people, man.
<laughs> well, Cedric, you know, um, I'm, I am, uh, so you mentioned that it takes a bunch uh, several negative thoughts to get to a place where things are possible or, or things that are irrational, uh, become rational. So if that ever happens to you, please call me because, uh, I am irrationally positive and whenever anything bad happens, I just chalk it up to yeah. good things coming around the corner. And I think that's probably a genetic thing for me yeah, because yeah. Eric, Eric, you know, uh, it's, I guess, probably more like you than like me, right? Where I'm, yeah, I, I, you know, with depression, I get, you know, I'm, I can be, I don't want to say negative, but I guess I'm, uh, I will be at times. Well, like, more than me. I mean, I'm, yeah, I no, you have the uncanny ability to shirk off everything. <laughs> I, like, oh, fuck it. Like, uh, <laughs> I do past anything. I've never, I've never been depressed, I don't think, ever. But, no, I, but I, I think that's, a, I honestly believe it's a joke. I had many things to be, hey, man, about. listen, you know, your path might have, burnt up all of the fucking nerve endings that could even create depression because you very fucking possible. smarty your ass off. Very possible. Very possible I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, lived in a, I lived in an apartment with no electricity on the floor with bugs and roaches <laughs> and, uh, doing heroin and, and I felt pretty damn happy, honestly. <laughs> you know, my, my mom's like, my mom will tell me, she's like, you seem pretty happy. You wanted to read books in the, in the candlelight and you seemed okay, you know, you weren't Never, because I wasn't. I don't. I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that part of the brain, the uh, Abdulangada, it got yeah. burnt out or some shit. You know, it's possible. Yeah, water boy. What is that? Yeah, <laughs> it's very. Well, you know, it's, it's real strange because you know, um, the people that are homeless, um, you can. Hey, man, you can go to certain cities and you can see a sixty-year-old crackhead, and I'm saying, how the hell? And you make it to 60 years old and your meal for most days is crack. How the hell do you live like that, right? Um, and my uncle, my mom wrote his brother, he died in his late 70s in the nursing home. And I think he had three major diseases and was smiling when he died. He didn't give a fuck about nothing. You hear me? I mean, my mom has gotten him apartments full of furniture, and one day he would just walk off because he just didn't give a shit. He never had kids, so he was never held down to any responsibilities. And uh, he was such a strong man. I, I know this is going to become a long story, but I'll make it short. He was such a strong man in a little place where they used to drink and party at. Um, they, he made a bet with some guys that as many bottles of liquor, not many bottles, but as many, M-A-N-Y, bottles of liquor that they would buy him, he would kill it and pick up the back end of a car. And he fucking did it until he went into convulsions. I, I, I don't even know. I think my mom, I, she, I don't think she ever told me how many bottles it was. But he said, I'll drink, I'll drink them until you fucking go broke. And I lift up the back end of this car. And he did it. And uh -huh. I had to come pick him up. Uh, and uh, he had a nickname, Cow Killer. Because he used to be a, a lumberjack, and uh, they were working out in this field where there were cows at, and the cow stepped on his foot, and he punched the cow in the face, and the cow fell. So they started calling him cow killer. <laughs> anyway, my point of it all is, you know, you had strokes and all these major diseases, but he lived every day so happy and smiling with absolutely no stress. So what is my point? Stress is what kills you. Yeah. Stress is what makes the cancer flare up inside your body. We all have cancer cells inside of us. Stress is what makes it flares up, flare up and multiply. Um, stress is what 
is what puts pressure on the heart and all these other things. You know, we all have genetic weaknesses and the stress is what makes them come out. And uh, the people that, you know, live the most meek lives, you know, this homeless guy or this drug addict, for example, they'll fucking live forever if they don't overdose, you know, simply because they don't have the, the pressure of the stress that we have to deal with. I, I, so, so interesting fact, I've had blood work done and my blood work, um, and my wife's here. She could tell you, I've had blood work done where the doctors are con- concerned because I have zero cord. I've almost zero cortisol. Yeah. Amazing. I, I, I have almost none. I, Your body I mean, can't even create cortisol no more. Not, that part is done. Is Shit, it, I'm going to heroin. <laughs> it might not be. Me, me and Eric. Heroin may not be the solution to your, your problems. Your <laughs> Just your hey, stuff. Eric, look, we could, we could some kind of way harvest our blood and we could sell our extra quarters off for people that need some. Way to <laughs> there you go. Start a clinic. The cortisol clinic. Cortisol <laughs> clinic. Go on, yeah. cortisol. Give me some of that. I got a shit. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Cedric, before we go too far, because I have two more big topics for you. Yep. Uh, but before we get any further, bodybuilding, right? So you're a very interesting bodybuilder. You're an interesting person, period. But you're inter- extremely interesting and unique bodybuilder in the sense that you have this weird like dichotomy. You're you're on one side, you're uh army guy who is teaching leadership uh that you you know you're you're in one way very outspoken you get in front of a crowd you're great at i mean you're famous for the arnold talk I and mean, when you win the arnold you you mess with arnold and that was upstage such a arnold. upstage arnold you're, you're you know more charismatic than arnold on stage right but on the flip side you're also uh very insecure and i hope i'm not saying you know insulting you yeah you're with a lot of things where there's stress and there's um things attached to performing getting on stage getting in front of the other guys uh and it's a it's a weird thing where it's like hey you've chosen to be on stage oiled up and ryan says in a thong but in, in a uh, which posing, he likes posing trunks and posing trunks we don't say a thong it's not uh posing trunks oiled up and flexing in front of this huge crowd so it's like a, it's a very exhibitionist thing you know so other things you do are like that but the flip side, you know, um, you will also be very, um, I don't know, concerned, self-conscious, insecure yeah. Yeah. On, on some of the things that you're choosing to do. And one of the things that I think is very fascinating about you is your art. You have, you have a tremendous ability uh, in, in terms of painting, drawing and sketching and and you don't want to show it. And when I asked you before, why are you not featuring this more about yourself? You said, look, I don't can't take the criticism. I don't want to criticize the art. Yeah. Yeah. How do you recognize these two things and, and why 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 is that? It's it's two very unique positions for one person to be in. So the only one the only person in the world that I think figured this out for me was Chris Aceto. And he told me one day, he said, you know, Elvis Presley used to be nervous as shit before he performed. You know who else? I said who? He said Prince and Michael Jackson. Nervous as hell. I said, okay. Uh, and I'm nervous too. I'm nowhere near as good as them. And he said, you know who's not nervous? I said, who? He said, Elvis impersonators and Michael Jackson impersonators. They're never nervous. They love it. And he said, you know why? I said, no. He said, because they don't have the passion connected to what they do. He said, Elvis and Michael Jackson, Prince, for example, they created this through the passion that they have. 
So they're very sensitive about it. They, they, they would like to share it. However, they're so passionate about it and want it to be perfect and uh, often have a hard time satisfying themselves, right? And so this is what creates the insecurity. And it's like at any moment, we're just looking for a person, you know, uh, an observer to verify that, yeah, we're not good enough. Yeah, this isn't good enough. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and oftentimes, what we do and the way we perform and the mistakes that we make, the observer doesn't even notice it, but we do. Um, so I believe, I believe that um, uh, the, the nervousness, um, the anxiety, it comes along with the passion for whatever it is that you do. Um, yeah, I think, you know, sportsmen are often nervous, you know, with what they do. The difference between a, a, a sportsman, that type of athlete, and a bodybuilder is you get to warm up and as your adrenaline starts rushing because you're nervous and have performance anxiety, you're able to burn off that energy and use it doing something physical that allows you to settle down, you know? So after the first few minutes of play or whatever, after the, you know, first few minutes of the first quarter, for example, you settle down. And you, all right, now I'm good now. Right. Well, for us, we only got second on stage. Um, and for me, the hardest part is the days and hours and moments leading up to the stage. Once I get to the stage, it's like I'm a different person. And nothing matters at that point because I'm already there. Um, so when I get on stage, I focus on performing. Put this foot here. Turn this way. All right, from this pose, transition into this one. How is the crowd responding? Okay, well, if the crowd's responding, stop and react to them. You know, smile. Or, you know, do this, do that. Oh, there's Arnold. Go down there and do something to him. You know, this kind of stuff is what I think about when I'm on the stage versus thinking about um, how I look. What if I'm not good enough? Um, now, one thing that I do feel like I need on stage is some type of positive reaction from the crowd. Like if I'm number four, number five, and I hear um, the audience is making a lot of noise for one, two, three, and then here I am and they sound uh, more quiet for me than I worry. Oh man, do I not look good enough or what? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I worry. But I was told, which Chris told me this as well, and it settled me down a lot. He said, Cedric, listen, you got to understand people can't make noise when you're on stage. And he said, you know what? He always said, you know why? I said, why? He says, because they're too busy looking, man. They just want to watch you and they don't want to make noise and miss something. And he said, they're in awe, right? And so I try to use that. And and when I'm on stage, I said, oh, uh, either I look like shit or I look good. One of the two. They're in awe or I look horrible. Which one is it? You know, uh, so I, I always have to, you know, deal with that. Uh, but I think that comes together. I think a very creative person also will have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. Um, look, Vincent Van Gogh, eats fucking cut his ear off trying to get it you know i could go on and on about the very very great people that have to deal with anxiety you know um and 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 so i think the two come hand in hand and what i began to try to do was instead of fighting my anxiety trying to learn how to operate and function with it and then understanding that that is going to be a part of what i do this nervous feeling i have is never going to go away but i have to make myself better at functioning with it and then understanding that is never as bad as I think it probably would be. You know, yeah, you think you look horrible, but you don't. You know what I mean? And and you know, I was having, I had a, you know, some issues 
before the Arnold that I was so worried about, you know, and wouldn't settle down until you know until you tell me, no, 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 you look great, you know, on stage. And so now, okay, I can relax now. You get it? But uh, in my mind, I'm also thinking about I'm thinking so much about worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned Arnold. It's, you had a thing in your head that you thought was bad, and you had convinced yourself that it was bad. And it's interesting how so you talked. We talked about cortisol a little bit, right? Yeah. I, I always wonder how much. Me and you have talked about this a little bit, and that's why I came up with the vodka theory. Um, is how much does that cortisol actually matter? Because you were very worried about something, and it was like you're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about worry, worry, worry. And how much does that systematically change your physique? Because that's that's literally how, you know, if your body is panicking, you're producing a lot of cortisol, you're never going to ever look your very best. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I wonder how much that portion of prep matters for you. Because people always go, and I know you hate this, well, if he was 100%, he, and he was 100% dry, 100% hard, yeah. and 100% full, he's Mr. Olympia all day long. Yeah. I wonder how much that percent which I know is bullshit, but the percent is is mentally. If you were mentally 100%, you walked out knowing you're going to win, how much of that would play into a role? Is that the really the factor that really comes in play? Okay. I can tell you this. The reason why I know it's it's real is because when I won the Nationals in 2009, um, I had a photo shoot um, the next morning. Um, when I got to the photo shoot, I, I'll always remember this. I seen... Um, Trey Brewer in the gym. You remember Trey Brewer? Ah, uh, very well. <laughs> I seen Trey Brewer in the gym doing a photo shoot, and I seen Jeff Long in the gym doing a photo shoot, and they look amazing. And I said, "Oh man, he, Trey is so big. How did he get so big overnight, man?" He said, "I ate four pieces and drunk four gallons of water. Wow, you look great." I seen Jeff Long uh, in in the gym, and he was finishing up his photo shoot and. I even was trying to help him. Hey, man, when you're doing the shrug, um, tense up your lower back because it shows more. I'm helping, trying to help him make his pictures look better. Simultaneously, in my mind, I was looking, I made myself not be as good as them because I'm in awe of them. Total admiration. Man, they're amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing. I'm nothing like that. I even told Jeff, I remember, I said, man, I wish I had calves like yours. And, uh, he looked at me and he flexed his bicep. He says, yeah, maybe one day you can have biceps like these too. And, uh, you know, and, and I was like, fuck, I wish I did. And so the whole time I'm looking at him, I'm wishing I looked like him, which may, what means I wasn't confident in how I look. And uh, as I started, mama, come on, babe, I'm doing this interview. And uh, as I started doing my photo shoot, because we were taking turns, me and Jeff, and purple now, he said, Cedric, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know. Your body is changing. I said, how? He says, I don't know. You don't look the same as you did when you first came. And uh, he said, your body looks smaller. You just, the detail is going away. I said, I, said, I don't know. Um, he says, maybe go eat something. So I went and ate some rice and drank a little bit of water. I came back and he said, we squeezed out a few more pieces. He's like, you know, he says, listen, it's been a long day. Go get some rest. Come back tomorrow. So I went uh, back to the hotel, came back the next day. Jeff wasn't there. And he says, fuck, now you look good. He said, where was this yesterday? I said, shit, I don't know. 
Um, he said, you look good now. And, and then I realized it was my, it was how intimidated I was of Trey and Jeff. I didn't realize this two years later. Um, when people said, man, you didn't look like this in the hotel. And then you get on stage and it looks different. And the only thing that happens between those is me being backstage with all the guys. And I get intimidated by them, you know, real easy, uh, simply because I'm in admiration. You know, I think they look so good. And man, he, he, I see him in the magazines. Or I seen him on Instagram. Look at Roly's arms, man. He looked real good. And, you know, look at Remy's quads, man. Damn, look at his shoulders, man. He looked good, you know. It's like I'm a fan back there. And what's happening simultaneously is because I'm such a fan of them, then I see myself as not being on their level. And then and I just everything goes down, you know. Why am I even here? I don't even deserve to be here with these guys. You know, that's kind of how I get mentally. Um, I don't even know if there's anything I'll ever be able to conquer simply because I love bodybuilding so much. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that I gotta get a grip on, you know, so that I can be able to at least bring what I truly am to the stage. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you were the only person ever that looked at Trey Brewer and said, man, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> Man, that dude was big as shit, and you know, and I, and I was an amateur then, and he was he was the reigning back then, you know, he was, he was big, man, and I admired that. Yeah. Yeah, Eric actually was part of. So Eric was at BSN before uh, workout for. Oh, oh, me. oh, so he was. I think I might have been on that photo shoot. To be honest with you, really? Yeah. So was that in Atlanta? Uh, no, no, no. This was or Chicago. No, no. This was the National in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, I wasn't on that one. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Before they moved it to, I think it's in Miami now. It was in Fort Lauderdale. No. Yeah, he uh, he was certainly big, but he was uh, no Cedric McMillan. You know? so, uh, he, <laughs> and he just mentally couldn't keep it together. He was uh, he was uh, a potential unrealized. You know, he was a big dude, but um, you know, obviously couldn't get it together uh, for probably a lot of reasons because he was so focused on being the biggest guy and and not being the best. You know, you know what, man? I think all of us, all of us, yes. are unrealized potential in some arena and what i mean by that is just because we have an ability doesn't mean that that's something that matches up with our mental capabilities to uh perform in that particular arena meaning okay how can i say this um i physically would be considered a good bodybuilder but mentally I'm not a very good bodybuilder when it comes to, you know, competing on stage. Can I perform on stage as a bodybuilder? Yes. Am I good at competing with others on stage? No. Uh, because of, you know, how I am mentally. Um, but I am a very good soldier. I am the best fucking leader. Like, put me up against anybody. Leadership skills, I'm the best. And I know that, and I feel confident in that. So, whereas in one arena where where I may have good physical ability, the mental ability doesn't match it. Whereas in another, um, the mental and the physical is there. My ability to perform as a leader uh, and the mental capacity to to know that I'm good uh, helps push me forward in that arena as well. Right? 
Um, and so I think that all of us have potential to do multiple things. It's just where we can, within ourselves, match up the pieces to be able to excel in that particular thing. Yeah. 100%. I agree with that. So we're going to transition to something very, very different than, than this, Cedric. COVID-19, you know, you're, you mentioned you're at a lot of the, some of the sites, you're being deployed there. Mm-hmm. What have you seen personally? What do you think of uh, this whole thing? Is this all, uh, you know, over overdone or is it like something that we're taking not serious enough? Where, where do you stand on it and what have you seen? Okay. My theory is that there is no way to avoid it because it's as simple as breathing. Um, Even if we stay at home, right? And you order something from, you know, online or you order some takeout. I think it is impossible to avoid outside bacteria. Um, I believe at some point, everybody is just going to quit being scared and start trying to live their life like normal. I believe at some point, um, people were, felt the same way about the flu, for example. Whereas now the flu is like, okay, yeah, I got the flu. You know what I'm saying? And it's, people treat it like it's no big deal. This is a new thing, and with social media, it amplifies it. You know, it amplifies the fear as well. Um, it helps to get information out, but it also can make people a lot more fearful. Um, one thing, another theory I have is. You don't really know what to believe when, when when you see on maybe the news or the Internet or something. Hey, uh, 200 people in South Carolina just died from the coronavirus. Did they really or or what? Or uh, 200,000 more people got the virus. Did they really or what? Like, who knows? Who knows? And I don't even I try not to even get into those conspiracy theories. But sometimes I feel like we're part of a big ass experiment. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we how do we react to this? How do we react to that? You know, you know what? Let's throw this at them now and see how they respond. Because <clears throat> look, it's so easily to record your results because all you gotta do is go on Facebook and you can see how everybody feel about a particular thing, you know. Um and, and I, I posted this on Facebook too. If there, if there was no internet. And no satellite TV. All you had was local news, meaning the news in your town. How peaceful would your life be right now? And how much stress wouldn't be there if, because I know for me, living in this small town, and the only news I could get was in a 15-mile radius or 50-mile radius, we would be chilling. We wouldn't know about earthquakes here or there. We wouldn't know about, you know, pandemics. We wouldn't know about violence in another city, stuff like that. Life would be normal here if we had no um, knowledge of those things. And so I think along with, you know, um, the Internet bringing people closer and making information more available, um, we also are taking in more shit, you know, that can upset us. Um, and, and so I think the only thing we can do is try to live our lives um, as best as we can. Like, I can't give you advice and say, here's what you need to do. You need to wear your mask. You need to stay inside. You need to do this. You need to do what you feel like is best for you and your family. And then I need to live my life, what I feel is best for me and my family. Um, and, and that's all that, technically, that's all that we really can do. 
um, in one minute, you know, it'll be told that wear a mask to help. And then they'll say mask do little. Then you'll hear you hear something that says um, people who show no symptoms can spread the virus. And then a month later, you hear oh, people who don't show symptoms are less likely to spread the virus. Uh, kids can't get it. Oh, yes, kids can. You know, all of it. so it's just so much that what the fuck do we supposed to do? And the answer is, is just, I believe we just got to live life the best way that we see fit to live it. Um, because there's actually too much stuff to worry about. There's too many variables. I mean, you know, I have some people that are don't want to come to work because they don't want to be um, uh, exposed or potentially exposed but they'll go to Home Depot or Lowe's or, you know, they'll go to some crowded ass shopping area and shop and don't worry about it at all. You know, <laughs> and it's man, if you brave enough to go there, then you got to not, you know, not be worried too much. So, no. yeah, but I think we all just got to do what we feel is best for us as individuals and our family. I can't I can't depend on you, Aaron to live your life in a way that's going to be safe for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Wear your fucking mask because you're going to get me sick. I can't depend on that. No. So I have to do what I feel is best. And if I feel that it's going to be people in these areas that aren't doing what I think is safe, then fucking don't go to that area. You know what I mean? It's funny. Uh, it's funny. You know, you basically covered every single thing that, that me and Eric would have said. And that's <laughs> what you just said. They basically covered every single part because, you know, we, we've talked many times about this and it's like, well, who the fuck knows any of this shit? Yeah. Who knows what's real and what's not real? Yeah. You know, the virus is the new reality, and like you're not going to be able to avoid it. We've talked about, certainly talked about that. Talked about these numbers. You're relying on a news source that doesn't really fucking know, and nobody really knows what they're looking at to give you the numbers. Which who the fuck knows if they're even true, right? Yeah, and I think you said it best. I, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but I feel like we're a part of a big social experiment right now, and that's driven by the media. You know, media is a business, um, you know, and fear is a great way to more eyeballs, uh, more money for advertising. Yeah, I mean, fear is a great way to get people to do stuff. That whole death people. counter, the death counter. I mean, oh, that's geez, the best yeah, thing they could ever done. Everybody just sits there and well, stares. How many cases? How many deaths now? Prime yeah. example. Yeah. The fucking Instagram monitor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we have an Instagram monitor. That shows you if you add followers, lose followers. If you sat there all day and watch that thing, you yeah, drive yeah. yourself absolutely fucking batshit going, oh, I just lost people. Yeah. I gained people. Yeah. yeah, and if you're watching a death toll, that's scary as shit. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, point, more people died. Oh, my God. I got to stay here. Hey, look, there's one thing I know for sure. There will come a time in history where we're sitting around fucking drunk as hell and we're like, hey, you remember we used to have to wear masks? Yep. 100%. <laughs> remember when they was worried that everybody was going to get sick? That, that, that time is going to come. And I mean, look, oh, man. And the industries jump on it so hard. Like, how long did it take? for uh, takeout food to remake their commercials and say uh, contactless service, you know, contact-free food and, you know, all kind of stuff like that. You know, and then everybody has, listen, I'm looking at a damn commercial of a guy that's talking in the camera and all you see is his fucking eyes. <laughs> listen, that that is so impersonable. Look, so I have gained the ability to tell if somebody is smiling by the way they talk. It's like, okay, I know you're talking. I know you're laughing while you talk now because I can hear it in 
I don't, it, what the, we can't even look at each other in the face no more. So, um, so you, can, you can walk into a bank wearing a mask, a hat, and sunglasses now, and you're good to go. Yeah, matter of fact, you're actually a good guy for wearing a damn mask. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? You know, and listen, here's what we have to do. Because while we may feel a particular way, we also have to be understanding with how sensitive this may be for other people. So, for example, you may have people in your office that feel the complete opposite of you. And we can't make them feel fucked up for feeling the way that they feel. We have to be empathetic of their point of view and and also try to do what we can to not make them feel more uncomfortable or... For us, you brought that up. That's a great point, Cedric. Is for us when we told when when everybody came back and we we took we allowed uh, we we initially didn't want people to work from home, but at some point we said, all right, enough's enough. Like I we don't want to be the bad guys. Oh, we were villains. Yeah, we're, we're villains. villains. We don't want to. Yeah, we didn't want to be the that guy that's forcing people. So we said, listen, if you're extremely uncomfortable and you're very scared, go home. That's okay. You if you can do your job from home, go home. And we didn't want to do that because we have people that are in the warehouse, about seventy five people that pack boxes who can't do it from home. Yep. So while me and Eric are going to stay here, no matter fucking what, there's a lot of people you, you can, it's like, well, what do you say? Like, I don't want them to go home, but I don't want them to quit or think that we're like evil, you know, you know, tyrants. Cause we're saying you can't go home. So we ended up letting a lot of people go home. And, uh, and I understand that I don't feel bad about it. Yep. You know, it, it was the right time we made our point, And I think that was important. And, yep. and then they went home and, Nobody got the coronavirus. None of their family or friends got the coronavirus, and they all came back. Yeah. And uh, after everybody came back, we made sure to tell everyone, "Hey, listen, people are different levels of afraid." Like Cedric, if you come in here right now, I'll shake your hand, give you a yeah. real hug. I'm the same as I was before. But a lot of people are very, very, very scared, yeah. and that's their right to be scared. That's what's great about America. Everybody has the right to decide what their level of yeah. comfort is what they want to say we have free speech we have all kinds of great things in america so we told everybody we literally got together and said listen if somebody wants to wear a, a full body you know a suit a <laughs> pressurized suit i don't want to hear anybody yelling at them or saying they're stupid or calling them any names because that's their level of comfort if they want to stay six feet away from you then leave them the hell alone because that's yeah. their thing right I yeah like people staying away from me yeah you're close to the door he goes nobody come in <laughs> Hey, I tell you what, uh, today at, at our site, a one-star general came up to do like a a visit, you know, like a pop-up visit to see how things are going. And yeah. uh, he's probably, man, he's got to be late 50s, early 60s. I think it takes that long to even make a one-star. Um, but uh, he he jumped my shit for not having my mask on at the time. But we weren't in the in the uh, testing area. We were all on the side, just bullshitting. And uh and it it made me think about something. Whereas I'm chilling, I'm not sweating it, but he's fucking almost sixty years old, or at least mid fifties, and this may be a serious concern for him. And so when we go to shake hands and he gives me his elbow, I'm like, first of all, I thought only black people knew how to do the elbow shit, until, <laughs> right? Or, or the fist bump, like that shit. Y'all just now learn how to do that shit. And so he gave me his elbow. And I'm like, damn, you know, so, and when he jumped my shit about my mask, like I said, it brought up a good point. So when someone is scared shitless and they show their concern, let me just put my mask on around them to show them that, I, look, I don't want to add to your fucking horror. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm not going to let you be scared of me. Here I am fucking sneezing on your back. You know what I mean? I'll put my shit on because I know how you feel about it, right? Um, and, and us being sensitive about how other people feel. Uh, because the truth is, and it leads into other points, the truth is this country and the people in it have been split right down the middle um, with political views. This country has been split. You take that half, those are two halves, split down the middle. You take those two halves and split them again, who's pro-coronavirus, you know, social distancing, who's against coronavirus, social distancing, okay? So now you got four pieces. And then you split that motherfucker again with, you know, police and, you know, issues that's going on right now. And you split us up like a damn pizza and what all of those ways that we've been split, what does it all boils, boil down to? It boils down to, Aaron, you think differently from me, but we can still be friends. You think differently from me, but we can still work together. We have different views. Our outlook on life is completely different. And we understand that about each other. And we're able to work together through our differences. That is good. That has to be the way it works. Because um, when we get into our tribe, whether that be a political tribe, a uh, uh, um, social distancing tribe, nothing's going to happen, but there's going to be another way to split us again. So we have to just understand that there are differences between all of us. And then we have to find ways to be sensitive about how you think, and I not purposely throw some shit up in your face that I know you're sensitive about, you know what I mean? And us finding ways to work together through those differences. That's what's going to have to happen. How can we work together through our differences? And if that, if finding a way to work together through our differences never happened, then shit like this is going to keep coming up, you know? Like, I'll tell you, man, there's friends I have on Facebook, and, you know, I scroll and I say, I can't believe he thinks like that about whatever the issue may be. And then I think, but shit, we cool. You know what I'm saying? That's my man. And he's never shown me that he has any ill will towards me personally. This may just be how he feels on a political level or whatever. This may be how he feels about the virus. And that's fine for him to feel differently than me. That doesn't mean that we can't be cool no more. You know what I mean? Right. I 100% I, I agree with you. I think that that is a very important point. And I think that uh, in, in America... As I said before, you do have the freedom of speech. You have the freedom of belief, and that's what makes America great. That's one of the things where this whole country is based on, is the ability to have differing opinions. And that be okay. You can have different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, different everything beliefs. Yeah. And hopefully we can work together because we love the country. We love this unique place we live in. And anybody who's had the, the good fortune like you and I and Eric had to travel the world can tell you. I've been all over the world and I can tell you there's no country like America yeah. uh, because you have these, these freedoms that we, we enjoy so, so much. And, and uh, I think that's really, really important to understand that it's okay if somebody believes something else. Yeah. And so I have a lot of family members that don't feel the same way as I do on all kinds of issues. Yeah. And I just don't discuss it with them because I'm yeah. not trying to change their opinion. I don't right. care. Right. I, I love them because they're my family and because of all the good things they've done with me or for me or my family, the other, you know, so it's like, I don't have to convince them. I don't want to, I don't want to argue with them about it. And if they believe something different, that's okay. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing in the world that we're going to agree with all the way through. We always going to have differences. Yeah. I think that's what makes, uh, 
again, this country, beautiful people, that, that's what makes people great is because you can have differences and still, to your point, Cedric, you can still be friends with one another. You can have a different point of view. You accept it. You work through it. And it's probably one of the best takeaway messages we could have for tonight. Yeah. And one of the one of the big things, we'll leave it with this, is one of the big things in, in America in the past is that people could have differing opinions and discuss it intelligently and debate it. And unfortunately, we're at a time, it seems like right now, where that debate is impossible, where you just, it's almost like, like, my, like I mentioned my relatives, I don't want to debate them because it's not possible at this point in time to have an intelligent debate where you could give differing ideas and you can walk away friends. And so for me personally, you won't see me writing on somebody's Facebook post that I don't agree on, that I like the person, or even if I don't like the person, I'm not going to do it because what's the point? You know, at this point, like maybe we're just too far gone from that point we need to go and reconnect as a people before we can intelligently debate you know you, you want to know why the people's ability to debate that didn't change because in order for you to be able to debate like that you got to have a level of intelligence that didn't go anywhere what happened is there became an ability to debate without having the intelligence to do it you know in, in, a, in a good way so now i got a platform so i can get on everything you put up and talk shit in the opposite direction, right? Uh, I, listen, you can go into a room with as many people as you want that believe something different from you and have a one-on-one -on -one discussion with them and either make progress or don't, but nobody's pissed off. You cannot do that on social media. All right. So, but why? Because here, look, we, okay, we already know why, because we know what social media is. We know how that works. So we know that I'll be more outspoken here in the safety of my, you know, keyboard and shit, you know, to where I, I'll, I'll discuss things in a way that I may not in person. And, right. uh, you know, and, and look, and because usually when you discuss differences, you're discussing them with someone that you know and that you have a mutual respect for. Well, now you're discussing things with fucking strangers. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and people that don't give a shit about you either way. So how can you even have that discussion? And then what happens is these discussions flare up into more and more you know, and then it becomes a big ass mess, man. You know. You know what's funny, Cedric, is uh, <laughs> since you've been around bodybuilding long enough, you 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 can you feel this and and know that what I'm saying is the truth. Is in bodybuilding, we've had this same scenario for a long, long time for the last 20, 15 years on the internet because we had messaging boards and stuff like that where yeah. where bodybuilders would post like top level bodybuilders and they post and they end up stop posting because they're they getting people that don't know anything about anything yeah. anonymous making negative comments this has been happening for for yeah. decades for bodybuilding and now it's just starting to the rest of the world where that's part of i always call it the hater fan because you go to like a get big and you'd have all these thousands of people that are just there to post bad stuff about everybody yeah and, uh, and now that's the whole world now yeah and it's it's is really no way to avoid it because it's just there it's just, you know what the shit is just something you got to live with like having flies at a cookout man <laughs> you fucking do this right here and keep on eating one of the flies get on your hot dog you don't throw it away you eat it anyway you know what i mean yes. it's good you're realizing that cedric that's 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 evolution for you now now you need to keep no, 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 not for me i'm talking about for other people for me oh, I, oh you're not you not you i, got, I you just got don't it. go to the cookout you're not pushing yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's throwing all the fucking hot dogs away he's like no no <laughs> every hot dog that has a fly it's done <laughs> yeah like, Cedric, we love having you on the show, and uh, we'll certainly have you back on. Every uh, month we do one panel show, and I would love to have you on the panel. Uh, last panel, 
Uh, we had a lot of similar opinions. And everybody was kind of of the same opinion. What I'd like to have is an intelligent debate. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to try to see how we can fit you into the next one so we can do some um, intelligent debate and we can show people out there that you can have differing opinions, but still uh, make a concerted effort to uh, walk away uh, as friends or shake hands on yeah. the Internet. Anyway. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I appreciate you uh, texting me to do this um, because I was stuck in a we call it a rut here, but I was, you know, you text me to, I think it was last week, you said, how you doing? I said, I'm fucking trying to swim and I'm swallowing water. And you said, that's a horrible way to swim, right? And uh, <laughs> I was I was in my, in my negativity mode and hey, you're going to be on an interview Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said congratulations. Congratulations, you're going to be on an interview. Yeah, and I won't lie, that kind of helped pull me pull me out of that bullshit a little bit you know like first of all my mom's missed her bedtime and it's all y'all fault you know what i'm saying so, <laughs> but, uh, but i appreciate this right because it it helps to remind me it helps to remind me that even though i feel like my life ain't got shit going on in it that nobody would want to see that you guys are still interested in it and that means something you know um and so i appreciate y'all doing that oh it's our pleasure yeah, and there's thousands and thousands of people interested. So and that's that's what we have to. That'll be my uh, me and uh, Ryan. We'll talk about uh, how do we how do we get money for the uh, Lancaster Youth Program? Because I yeah. think there's a lot out there and a lot of people out there that want to participate in that. And uh, we're going to work on figuring out how to how to do something cool. Hey, y'all sell a couple of them damn boats and phantoms and shit. And, you know, boats and what? Phantom L. Wraith, Wraith, not Phantom. Phantom. <laughs> Phantom. Oh. Uh, hey, hey, look, and by the way, while I got y'all, because because I'm getting ready to go, um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you, Aaron, because I ain't too sure about your opinion, but Eric, I know you, you know what I'm saying? You, you got you got a little younger fever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you got a little soul in your, in, in your sister, so I just want to ask you. <laughs> you, you. Yeah, who who do you think won the battle rap between me and George? Because I believe I destroyed his ass. So, do you even listen to rap music, Eric? Because yeah, what? I grew up in Detroit. I'm married to a black woman. I got more black family members. I do white, like Eric. So, who do you? They were not even qualified to answer. the look on your face is marginal. Like. Well, I ain't really, you know what I'm saying? Are you alternative? You know, I can't really. He's more like a Nirvana, at least. I listen to everything. If you, like one of the, the newest songs is, I got some Motown on my phone right now that's on there. So, um, uh, but yeah, I don't have any of that. I, like, I watched it. It was the funniest shit in the world. You guys going back and forth. I don't know how you rate it because George was more aggressive with it. Where, yeah, <laughs> that was my opinion. George got a little bit more aggressive with it. You were more funny with it. So, Depends on how you want to look at it. To be honest with you, more aggressive with it. I was, man. Ah, you don't. You don't. No. Nah. <laughs> okay. Don't ask. You don't want to know. You're, you're pulling his black card now. He's like, yeah, he man. Anymore. No, no, get, oh, oh no, he get to keep that because you know he, like I say, he got jungle fever, so he's straight. But he don't know <laughs> about no rap music. That's for sure. So Cedric, I think you won. What, what do I get? Cool. You get a one day temporary black card. I get the thumbs up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, guys. Listen, I really enjoyed this. Hope to do it more soon. Okay. We will. We will. And you gotta get back down here soon. Yeah. What? What? We need to get you. You saw that awesome commercial. I said, don't let y'all go yet because she wants y'all to do something. What you want? What you want them to do? I take my shirt off. <laughs> she said, "Don't do it tonight. Do it another day when we're not busy." All right. What are we gonna do? A mirror. It's a mirror. She wants you. To- <laughs> cool. Okay, I'll hang it up for you when I get inside. Okay, guys, I love y'all. Okay, bye. Talk to somebody. But she right. told us we need to take a look in the mirror. Yeah, so I, I don't know. know. Yeah, well, she wanted a back double bicep or something, etc. <laughs> <laughs> um, so guys, we loved having everybody on. We loved having Cedric on. Uh, the guys from the Murph, uh, those guys, Mikey and Sam, we're really looking forward to having him here in town in a little early, a matter of days. Right? Yeah, no. And uh, we can't go before. And unfortunately, you saw Cedric, right? We couldn't do a whole lot of question and answer with Cedric. He had a lot going on, and uh, we went much longer than we expected. But we will do a few minutes of question and answer before we go uh, and call it a day with uh, episode number five. And I think if there's some direct questions for Cedric on Q&A, that's something that we could give to him to answer on his social media, too. 100%. We need to give him content on his social media so that he can come back to it and uh, and give him some. I mean, he's he's looking for ideas for his content. So this Someone give him someone else to rap battle so he'll win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you're rough. Um, let's see. Ralph said limited total war flavor named after an athlete, Cedric Citrus. <laughs> well, we do have some partnership. <laughs> we do have some partnership stuff coming up for some of the athletes. So you will be seeing some new total war flavors. We have for Adam Shear, we have some shirts coming out. The meat, the sausage castle. Meat castle. Meat castle. Sorry, sausage castle is a different thing. That's a whole um, different conversation. Um, yes, but we have a lot coming out very soon. Well, oh, I missed the last one, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. It's too much work, right? If I could take a whole bottle of Halo in one sitting, will I look like this in a couple hours? No. Loaded. Don't don't take a whole bottle. Who knows what the hell happened to you? It won't be anything good, though. I can guarantee that. Question, can I stack Halo with Silencer? I just bought both products. Absolutely, you can. Absolutely. What does that say, Eric? I can't read it from here. Detroit, definitely a Kid Rock fan. Yeah. Well, Bobby's you okay. You like him okay? I think it's okay. cool. I like the old stuff. I haven't heard anything new from Kid Rock. He's, ever, he's like ever. done country. He's played with Zach Brown band. I like that. like fucking Arkansas. Blah, with the bah. Aaron, nope. Nope, you could want to be very fast. Can't even see them. Question for Aaron and Eric. I personally... Can you read that? Okay. I need new glasses. I personally buy... Even in what I do every day, to have brand loyalty with a company, RC1 is my choice in subs. But when will there be a casein and collagen protein? Um, I don't know. I think like collagen and for, I don't know, it's bioavailability is low. So I don't, you know, I know that's like a trendy thing. You see it with like vital proteins, you know, made it popular, but. We won't say never, but it's not, it's not a top of the priority list. Either one of those. I mean, casein is probably higher than just straight collagen protein. Yeah, but honestly, like a. There's other blends that would be better for nighttime than just like a casein. So, Aaron, can you, uh, Johnny, why are you going through so fast? Also, can I take Ryan's been drinking? I can't read it. It's too too far away from me. So, essentially, can you take Emery Light as a meal? What? Yeah, give it over here. What is that? Uh, I should have let Eric hit Eric. Oh, I fake an injury. Go down. So, 
Can I take MRA's blueberry cobbler shake on its own as a meal? Well, yeah, I mean, you could use it as a meal substitute. I mean, if that's the only thing you're eating in the day, I'd say you probably want some food. Um, but then I'm on a, I can't, I'm not sure what that is. No, and carb, what's that? I think he's like the paleo. I connected him to shoe though. Yeah, I mean, specific. it all really depends on what your macros are for the diet because carb cycling. I mean, there's what, four grams of carbs per serving in MRE light. So again, depending how strict you are on your macros, that definitely would be what you really need to pay attention to in that diet. Uh, that's really what I have to say. I mean, you have to look at the labels. Uh, is Martin coming to HQ for a visit? Absolutely. Yes, as soon as travel as restrictions as as are off. Yeah, as soon as he can. I think when he's going to come to LA for filming, when Fast picks back up again, that's when he's going to come to the office next. Hopefully. I mean, honestly, if, that, if that's longer and he can come, I, I know he really wants to come. Oh, no, so he's, yeah, he's, as soon as he can come to the Red Cohen gym, the office here, and shoot content, he's very, very hyped to be part of the team. And that's then, another person that we'll have probably custom flavors with as well. We have a lot of ideas for yeah. a bunch of people in, in terms of apparel and, and, and ideas for products. But uh, Darielle just threw me the CLA. This she's is the basic training. Yeah, she's training you. The uh, basic training series, which will release on Wednesday. A lot of people have been asking. We have 12 different products. CLA, can you name all 12? And how fast can you do it? Three, uh, two, here we go one. again. Go. BCA, beta alanine, citrulline, creatine, CLA, liquid carnitine, Yohimbi, ZMA, vitamin C. God damn, I make all these fucking glutamine. I think that's it in the first round. Two. Liquid L carnitine. I did that. I think. Fish oh, oil. fish oil, I forgot. Yep, yeah, fuck. All right, um, there's one more, but whatever. I did pretty good. Pretty good, pretty fast. Not that there's 12 total, no? Yeah, I think there's 11. Oh, I'm sure. Okay, well. Yeah, because one got left off on the opening, the multivitamin. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. A lot of people are very excited about these products. It's funny how timing in uh, in life, in uh, product development, in the stock market, timing is is the key. So uh, and for us, you know, we have been uh, really, really good at timing. Timing has been unbelievable. And so for us, products like this, if we were to release them initially, nobody would care really, honestly. It's like the energy shot, uh, FUBAR. If we were to release FUBAR first, people would be like, oh, I should have done that. For I've had a lot of people like, that's that's the big play. But the problem is, yeah, that's the big play Not for a company that has developed demand. And if we hadn't developed demand, nobody would want FUBAR because nobody had heard of Redcon. And so this is even more dramatic where these basic training, why would you buy a creatine monohydrate from a company you haven't even heard of there's before. thousands of companies there's the thousands companies. of them and so for us we are at a perfect place where there's these let's say there's a hundred companies that are making creatine monohydrate that are popular right um they're popular for creatine monohydrate they're known as a brand but they're not cool they're not well known many of them like uh, like a prima force or something makes uh ingredients that are commodities and does a good job of it but they're not a cool brand that's been known for making cool stuff and they don't have a big following they just make commodities they do a good job and they're well um, they're well purchased, basically. The people, um, to do here or another, right? They probably do 10 million bucks a year just off these commodities. Yeah, exactly. But if people want these basic foundational, but if, but if you can, like us, create demand and drive people to be interested in a product that's cool that they would have purchased anyway from a less cool brand for the exact same dollar figure, it's all day long. Why would anybody ever buy? I don't use them as an example because I'm not trying to say they're bad or anything, but. X brand for the same price for the same product that has no cool factor. You're going to win every time. Well, yes. Like if I took a basic tank top and one that was same price is same and one's Nike and one's blank, I'm going to take the Nike one. Look at this very cool Father's Day shirt. And people I are going to have to show the back. Show the back. Show your back. Ooh. There you go. Wow. I hope my ass isn't sweaty. 
<laughs> so it's like it's like this shirt and this hoodie. Imagine this was just a black hoodie. Imagine this was just a what would you call it? A gray shirt, right? And it didn't have anything else on it. It would still be okay and everything, right? You could still wear it hypothetically, but you probably wouldn't pay much for it because it's blank. You put the logo on it, all of a sudden, this is a twenty-five dollar shirt or more, maybe. This is a fifty dollar hoodie, right? Because of the because of the logo, because of the branding. That's what made it valuable. What? You're gonna get this is my Father's Day present. So <laughs> it could be a Father's Day present for a lot of fathers out there. Is it is the deal live right now? The deal is live right now. So the deal is, I'm gonna say it and you can tell me if I'm right. So the deal is when you spend fifty dollars, yep. yeah, fifty dollars, you get this shirt and and then for a hundred. Oh, what? Oh, He's Ron Burgundy. It's a question. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did this for $50, right? Where's $50? The, I like the, I like the, yeah. For $50, you get a big noise, okay? And that's pretty damn cool because you're getting a product that's $40 in value. So for $50, you're getting $4 for free. Awesome, right? Is there a code with this? So you can use the code DAT for 33% off your total order. So you can get for $50 after the code for 33% off with the code DAD, right? DAD33? Yeah, just that, just that, just keep it easy, right? So you will get the free big noise. So you're saving 33% and getting a $40 product. And then if you spend a hundred dollars, yes, a hundred dollars, you're also getting the big noise for $40. You're using the code dad for 33% off. You're getting this amazing shirt that you couldn't get any other way. And you're getting the pullover hoodie, yes. pullover hoodie, Come all for free. So you're getting $50 hoodie. A $25 shirt, a $39.99 big noise for a hundred dollar purchase, and you use the code dad to get 33% off. Guess I don't know who authorizes this deal. Eric. Really? Jesus. It's on the cheap one. Jesus. Oh, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> uh, so take advantage of the deal. Go to the site right now. Because to be honest with you, we have a very limited amount of these shirts and these hoodies. I, I didn't realize we were doing such a crazy deal. And to be honest, we didn't order enough. So you know, we could very well sell out in a day or two. Uh, and so this deal is from right now, Thursday night, all the way till Sunday night. So more than likely your size will sell out and potentially the whole shirt and hoodie will sell out. So I'll if you're three X after slightly worn. You're sl it's funny. <laughs> too. It's kind of hot in here. So maybe they'll pay more two for times that. in a row. I had to wear a hoodie. Thanks. Well, for Ryan says you like to wear hoodies. I do when I do cardio. Accentuates traps. Ah, that's it. That's it. Okay, guys. It covers my sweaty shorts. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. We appreciate you guys watching. Uh, this is show number five, and I think we're finally getting some uh, some forward headway and people realizing the show is awesome. So if you haven't watched it live, that's cool. You can watch it on YouTube. Of course, we have it on Facebook. So if you're watching live on Facebook or you want to go back to the Facebook page, watch it later, that's cool. But even better, something unique for the show is we have it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and any other place that... Uh, I uh iPods, I uh iTunes, well, iTunes, iTunes or um podcast. Yeah, podcasts. Yeah. Anywhere podcasts are found, you can find this show. All you have to do is search for readiness report live and you will find it everywhere. So make sure you download it, subscribe to it, and uh let us know what you'd like to see next. Next week's per who we have on next week. Oh, Brandon Curry, Brandon Curry, Mr. Olympia. Brandon Curry is on next week, along with uh at least one other awesome guest. In the following week, we have some really cool stuff planned. And then our second panel discussion, we'll have to get Cedric for that, I feel like. Yeah, he's got to come back. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have to keep him. So we'll have to explain to him for for, for that kind of thing. He's going to keep the answers. You have a buzzer. Yeah. We'll buzz him. We'll buzz him. Cedric has 60 seconds. 
Uh, but I loved having him tonight. He was fantastic, and this show is a big success. So thank you so much for tuning in. Until next week, we're out here.